This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast of Critical Hit, a gaming show by gamers for gamers on Joy 94.9. Kev, I can't believe you found the boss key. I know, and I couldn't have done it without you, Luke. You're listening to Critical Hit, Joy's only video game show. It's by gamers, for gamers. Yes, you are here on Critical Hit here on a Saturday afternoon, which is very, very exciting. And I am Luke, and I am joined by the wonderful Viv. Hello! Yes, I'm yes, here. <laughs> you are here. And um, 
Archer was meant to be here today. He was meant to be the um, the person that's angry uh, for a change. Yeah. <laughs> for, for something a little bit different. Um, but unfortunately, he's fallen sick, the poor thing. So yeah, poor hopefully girl. you get better, Mace. Uh, we do miss your cynicism already. We're thinking of you, Archer. Yeah. Normally, you've complained about at least three things <laughs> by now already. Uh, so. so it's going to be a very positive <laughs> show today. So I'm going to wear my Archer hat occasionally <laughs> to, try, to try and bring that reality check down a little bit. So that's going to happen. can be happy. What are you talking about? Uh, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, so here on Critical Hit now, today on this show, a couple of cool things happening. So we're going to be talking later in the show about this little topic that actually Viv, uh, you suggested, and I think yes. it's great. I think yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, talking about glitches in video games. Yes. Now... Just for those who, who might not know, who are listening, just explain what a glitch in a video game actually is. What's well, a glitch? It's kind of um, uh, something that happens in a game where it malfunctions yeah. slightly. So it can be anything from characters to AI to um, landscape. Uh, especially happens in a lot of multiplayer games I've yeah, definitely. Realized, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's when it's when something happens. You know, the, ga- the games are built in a certain way where it's meant to be really immersive and have this tight game world. Yeah. And when a glitch happens, it's like clearly something's gone wrong. You know, you might see a character with a missing head, or you might yeah. be talking to someone and then they'll just fly up into the universe and disappear for no reason, or <laughs> or their flesh just appears and it becomes a horror game. Instead. Yeah, all sorts <laughs> of weird things that happen, and it's just um, yeah, think about like you've seen the Matrix, like a glitch in the Matrix where something happens it's not supposed to. Uh, exactly, yeah, it's, that's a good yeah. example, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Something that you go, well, hang on a second, that was weird. Yeah. And um, that can be really funny um, and really entertaining, but that can also be um, quite frustrating and oh, quite yeah. game-breaking as well. Especially if you're fighting a boss and then the glitch occurs and you're like, oh, I I couldn't save. Nope, it's gone. Gone. Dead. Oh, gone. And especially, <laughs> I, I find, um, in competitive multiplayer as well, uh, if there's a glitch like, um, and usually in multiplayer it's because of a, it's a lag issue, like because they find yeah. this lag, you can do things that the game wouldn't normally allow if it was running perfectly. So, for example, I've had matches of Gears of War where players have found like a crack in the map in the actual game world. Oh, okay. And they can jump through the gap in the side of like a car or something oh. <laughs> and they end up in like this computer 3D kind of nothing land with just like random polygons of trees and like random objects and stuff and they can just they're in there infinitely and once you're in there you can't get out wow so it's like it's like in the simpsons when homer goes to that 3d universe yes and there's all the weird (laughs) objects it's kind of like that just this big empty space with like nothing in it but some weird little bits and pieces oh my gosh and i used to know how to do that as well so when someone would go in there i used to follow them in and kill them inside (laughs) inside the glitch so they can be really entertaining but they're also a real pain in the ass so um we'll be talking about them in a bit more detail later on in the show. If you have um, had some glitches that you want to talk about, now social media already has uh, lit up with excitement about this topic, which is really cool. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about some of those responses later in the show. Also later in the show, um, I had a chance to go up to Sydney earlier in the week to celebrate the PlayStation 4 release of World of Tanks. Which is very cool. So exciting. Um, it was. It was very exciting. And we had a fun day, which I'll talk about a bit later as well. But I had the chance to have a chat with the lead game designer from World of Tanks, Jeff Gregg, who was here all the way from the US. So I'm going to play that interview for you later on in the show as well, all about wargaming and how it's taking over the world, which Ooh. is very, very exciting. So that's happening on later on too. Before we do that, though, before we do any of that other yes. really important stuff... Yeah, get to the nitty-gritty of it. Well, what are you playing at the moment, Viv? What are you doing right now? What are you doing <laughs> with your life? Still uh, Kingdom Hearts? Not or? a lot, yeah. I'm still on Kingdom Hearts, uh, Chain of Memories. But I am nice. going to be playing, starting tomorrow, Estrian Odyssey 2, The Fafnir Night. The Fafnir Night. Did I say Night. it right? I think so. Etrian Odyssey? Yeah. Es- Etrian. Etrian, yeah. Well, Etrian it's Odyssey, is that's a, that's, a, that's a big RPG. It's like an epic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and um, I'll be able to 
review it in a few weeks' time. So you guys got to look forward to that. Very exciting. And now, um, what I'm playing at the moment, actually, it's funny. It actually launched about a week and a half ago. It's um an MMORPG, which I don't play very much of, right? Yeah. But this one got me interested. It's called Blade and Soul. Have you heard of it? No. Mm. Oh, wait. No. Yes. It's been out in China for about four years. I and think I, I think it's come across my feed a few times. Yeah, so it's developed by NCSoft, who are one of the major players in terms of Mimorpikas. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty much, it's your standard MMORPG in the sense that it's massive, it's online, there's players everywhere, you complete your quests and you get experience and level up your abilities, so it's, it's all standard in that sense. Yeah. But what I like about it is, though, the combat has a real sense of physicality to it. So the combat's kind of a bit of, like, it's karate and, like, the spells are kind of based on using force, like, you know, kind of pushing someone into the air and stuff like that. And you can actually grab enemies, pick them up, and, like, slam them to the ground. Oh, okay. So it kind of sounds like a bit of a mix between, like, Street Fighter almost, isn't it? Uh, I wouldn't get that Not far. Really. <laughs> It's definitely got its roots in MMO styles. Um, but you know how most MMOs, in, you know, especially like Warcraft and stuff, it's more just like you mash the hotkeys, you press the different buttons, you do yeah. different spells, and you yeah. stand back and you just let it happen, and it kind of just happens, you know? And you don't really yeah. see different moves and stuff. The damage just piles up and they die. So this one, you actually have combos and stuff. So if you do, like, your first spell might be to lift them up in the sky, right? Yeah. And then your second spell might be a spell that slams them to the ground. Or you can do your third spell, which might throw them in front of you and push them backwards so there's kind of a bit more tactics and then they can counter your spells as well yeah and there's this whole mechanic where they can pin you to the ground and you have to get off the ground and get them off of on top of you so there's kind of a bit more thought to it than just mashing those spells yeah it brings an exciting new element to it definitely yeah it's like there's more combat thought to it yeah I guess Um, I really like that fireball (laughs) yeah you can't just mash the same thing and just do the same (laughs) move but you have to think about combos and counters and lining things up properly otherwise you'll die yeah so I like that about it it has a different style to its combat that i really appreciate so that sounds fun yeah so blade and soul it is it is free to play actually so um you know you can you know get your subscription if you want to like get the extra benefits like extra character slots of course, and extra money usually and, goes, yeah. yeah same old <laughs> thing yeah but um but i've played it for free for several hours and haven't encountered any need to pay for anything at the moment so yeah i'm definitely enjoying it it's been out in china for a while like four years so that means it's pretty polished as well you know it's nice. not a game that's launched yeah. with problems it's launched because they've gone through this launch in a very large country before yeah so we're getting it now years later when they've refined everything and they've patched everything and it's all we kind get of, all the good bits of it. Yeah, like they've, they've they practiced, they were the, they were the guinea pigs and now we've got the game. You know, it's really nice. So they have made especially for us. Exactly. So yeah, it's a really cool game, uh, Blade and Souls. I haven't played a bit of that lately, so check it out. You're on Critical Hit on Joy 94.9 and without further ado, it is time for the news. With the games industry changing so often, it can be hard to keep up. That's why on Critical Hit we deliver you the news that matters. Yes, we definitely do. And um, some news that's, um, I guess you'd say it's uh, LGBT relevant, um, this particular topic that we're going to start off with today. Now, Nintendo, um, who <laughs> seem to, they can't, they can't avoid the controversy when it comes to same-sex issues in their games. Yeah. This is, this is the third or fourth Nintendo-based story around <laughs> something like this in the last year. Um, but Fire Emblem Fates, it's an RPG, it's been out in Japan for a while now, it's launching over here in, in the West, in Australia, in Europe, and US, uh, sometime in the next few months, which is very, very exciting. Um, now the game is one, is the first game on a Nintendo platform that allows same-sex marriage. Which is great. Which is great, right? Yeah. So um, it's really cool. So basically the game's coming out in three formats, right? Which is a bit strange, but bear with me. So in the first one, the Conquest Edition, the male main character made by the gamer can pair up with another male character, which can lead to marriage. Aww. In the Birthright Edition, the female main character created can go with a female and get married to her. And then in the, in the third edition, Revelation, that's a DLC they'll release on top of that, whichever character you make... Either way, male, female, there'll be an option to marry off to someone of the same gender. And that's so good to see in games. So. Yes, it's really nice because um, we like to think that we are in the game. Yeah, more of more of us inside the game yeah. instead of 
everyone else. Saving the princess all the time, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, well, I'd oh, love to okay. save the princess. Well, yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you're fine saving princesses. Yeah. <laughs> I want to save, like, a berry king. Um, <laughs> but that's another story. But anyway, with this, the, the new story that's come through is they're changing the game in the English release because... In the Japanese version, there's a scene where in the main, if you're a male main character, you see the female character in the game called Soleil struggling with her attraction to other women. So doesn't know how to deal with it. The main character trying to help then uses a magic powder on her, which results in the character in her seeing men as women and women as men. Once the powder then wears off, you can then propose to her because now that you've used the powder on her, she likes men. That's no. <laughs> that is absolutely horrible. I can't. I can't believe they. Well, did this that. is in the game, and you know, like Japan, they have their quirks, and they have a different take on things like sexuality. And I mean, some of their games are overly sexualized and stuff For like sure. that, to the point where this probably didn't seem like a big deal over there. No. It was just a storyline point, and it was—it's probably taken in a comedic kind of way, you know. As, oh, as gonna... most, yeah, anime and and games like these are. Yeah, it's probably meant to be funny. Oh, I'll give her the magic powder so she'll like me, kind yeah. of thing, you know. I want—I I like her so she can like me back if I drug her. Is basically oh what God. it's saying. And um, <sighs> you know, they've—they've they've chosen. Now, the good thing is, right? They've chosen to remove the scene in English-speaking countries. So in the U.S. and Europe and Australia, they've taken the scene out. Um. Which is a good thing, in my opinion. However, of course, there's the other side of it saying, well, hang on a second, why are you censoring the content for us? Or also, why was it in the game in the first place if you thought this was going to be a problem down the track? Mm, That's true. Well, I don't don't think they'd had this kind of... um direction in thought to begin with would they well i wonder what caused this i wonder at what point did someone say hey guys before we release this in the u.s and europe and australia and stuff this particular scene where he drugs her and converts her into being straight Mm. maybe that's not good and yeah, maybe. But, but, but who was the guy that made that call, or, or, or girl? Who was the person that made that decision, and what, what caused that, you know? Because obviously it was released in Japan. It's in the game in Japan. Like, it's there. The scene is there. It's not changing. But the version that we get is going to not even have that option to it, which also removes the possibility of, if you create a male character in the game, you won't be able to marry Soleil, whilst in the Japanese version, you could convert her and marry her. So, in a way... We're missing out on potential storyline arcs, potential relationship building down the track. Like, it actually takes out a reasonably big element if you think about it that way. That's true, yeah. It does in that sense, but there is a big difference between uh, the Japanese kind of sense of entertainment and our westernized sense of entertainment. Um, It may be okay over in Japan, and for sure it's certainly entertaining, but over here, that's essentially rape. Well, it is in a way, isn't it? Which is bad. And you have to be careful with that sort of thing. And uh, obviously it is bad. Like when you say it out loud, when you're like, oh, he he drugs her and converts her to being straight so he can marry her. Like that's that's awful. But, you know, in the game, I'm sure it is done as a bit of a silly joke and it doesn't mean a whole lot. So, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting the reaction that it's caused where people are like, well, I don't like being censored, but I do kind of get that it's terrible. Yeah, like it is a shame that... It is cut out from our Western release, but I do think it's a good thing in the end because I I would see this harming a lot of people, honestly. Yeah, there's there's people that wouldn't. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons why that shouldn't be in a game. So at least they realise eventually. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Japan has other weird games where you can literally take... The goal of the game is to take photos of girls... Yeah, in high school with skirts and stuff. That's and that's, true. that's the aim of the game. So obviously in Japan, the whole sexuality and the idea of this sort of stuff that we see as quite perverse and quite horrible, over there it's really, really kind of casual yeah. and just kind of a bit silly. And so, that's true, yeah. They're more casual with this, with these kind of things, but. Yes. We're so very interesting. Always battling. <laughs> yes. In other news, uh, Mighty Number no. 9. Now, this game has been created by the man who made the original Mega Man games. This was a Kickstarter project a couple of years back. It's been delayed for the third time. Oh, it was due dear. out a year ago. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, delayed again. It was due out in two weeks' time, like February 9th, less than two weeks. So it was due out really soon. 
And then, like a week ago, they're like, oh, sorry, it's not ready yet. Oh, well, <laughs> they probably shouldn't have set the date for release then if they... Oh, my gosh, they got to get their stuff together. Well, it makes people worried about Kickstarter as well. Because, you know, you have crowdfunding and sometimes it doesn't... People don't get what they expect or it's not in the timely manner they expect. And, you know, you have to think, this isn't just a game that's been delayed that no one's got yet, you know what I mean? This is a yeah. game that lots of people have already paid money for. That's the thing with Kickstarter, though. You've always got that that thing that it may not be released. It yeah. may not get enough funding. It's always the way it kind of goes. It's mm. it's a risk. And it is still coming out. Like It's, it's going to happen. But it's just going to take longer. <laughs> it's take longer. Making so people angry. <laughs> for those who are waiting, they have to wait a little bit longer for that one. Yeah, uh, I'm disappointed. Guys. I was looking forward to playing it myself next week, but um, I will wait as well. <laughs> now, Viv, in some very exciting news, Nintendo has announced... Detective Pikachu. Yes! <laughs> Which, why hasn't this happened already? I know! <laughs> Coming to Japanese 3DS is on February 3rd, so no word on an English release yet, but it better, it better happen, cause... Uh, oh, it will! It, it just will. better happen. <laughs> so, um, the translation to the English is Detective Pikachu, birth of a new team. And it has a trailer out online that you can watch, which shows Pikachu in a detective hat, which is very cute. Yeah. Walking around the city, talking, drinking coffee. Um, and he hangs out with a, uh, a boy in a red hoodie. That's like his, his, um, co-partner in the game, uh, which is cool. So it's interesting that, um, in the narration of the actual trailer, it's not Pikachu saying Pikachu things. Like, it's not him no. going, Pikachu, me! Like, you know what I mean? He's not sounding like a Pokemon. He's, like, having a conversation. Like, he's having a chat. Yeah, and his voice is really deep. Yeah. And it really it really kind of threw me off. I thought it was a joke to start off with. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is kind of cute. I wonder if this would ever actually be a game, if anyone would actually develop it. And then I found out that, yeah... It's a game. <laughs> yeah, it's like this film noir Pikachu thing. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be like a Sherlock Holmes-style story, and it's a cinematic adventure. So I think it's taking cues from, like, your Telltale games and and Life is Strange and stuff like yes. that, where it's kind of narrative-driven. And that's where detective stories work really well um, as well. So it should be interesting. And it's only going to be uh, 1,300 yen in Japan, which is about 13 bucks Australian, it, yeah. essentially. So that's not a full price release. That's definitely sounds like it's an episode of this particular story. Yeah, to me. yeah it definitely sounds like it. It's going to be interesting to see because um, it, it looks cute to me. Like, it looks really cute, but the way the kind of story looks like it's going, it's kind of like the film noir. It's yeah. more settled and kind of mature a in a way. dark, a bit mysterious. And still the cute Pokemon that we know and love. Like, I'm just picturing, like, he goes to the crime scene, there's like a chalk outline of this Pokemon. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And there's like the little evidence markers and it's all, the crime scene's all off and stuff and I don't know. We have a murderer on the loose. Pika yeah. Pika. <laughs> like, are we, gonna, are we gonna hunting down like Team Rocket or something? Like, I don't know. What, what is this gonna be? I'm curious to see what they do uh, with an adult detective Pokemon story. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. But hey, Nintendo, you can't can't knock them. They do good stuff like this. And sometimes yeah. stuff when you hear this, you go, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, and it people works are going to lap this up, definitely. Look at Pokemon Snap. I mean, that was a game that even back then, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. Oh, um, gosh, don't say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> back then, you were like, uh, taking photos of Pokemon, that sounds ridiculous. It's that's so awful. Dumb. And then you play it and you're like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've spent nine hours <laughs> playing this. My whole life. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you got to have a bit of faith in the big end and what they do with this sort of content. So, we'll see. They know they're Pokemon, for sure. We shall see. In more news, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's World. Now, this is the RPG that was based on Five Nights at Freddy's, or FNAF, uh, for short. Yes. Uh, the game about um, looking after a <laughs> uh, animatronic restaurant at night time and making sure that nothing weird happens, and, of course, the animatronic creatures come to life and yeah. try and kill you, of course. And the game is really scary and terrifying, and I don't like it because it scares me too much. Well, it's not based on horror, though, this um, RPG, though. Well, no, it's, uh, it's based on the franchise, but not uh, not a horror sensibility. It's more of an RPG sensibility. And, um, None of the jump scares that we know and love in Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, even though this game's had a good rating, it came out about a week ago on on Steam. and uh, But the lead developer of the game... Uh, uh, Stephen Scott, sorry, Scott Cawthon, <laughs> um, he has removed it from the store 
and said, I'm not happy with it, so I've taken it off. Mm. Which is interesting, because the game was reviewing okay. It had 87% positive rating on Steam already, which is pretty good. Uh, I've seen some terrible ratings on Steam for games that are still there. And um, (laughs) as far as refunds go, he also said that he's reached out to Valve and asked them to refund anyone who's purchased the game, regardless of the amount of time it's been owned. So anyone can get a refund on this at any time, and that when he brings it back once it's fixed, he might put it up there as free anyway. Hmm. Now... That's interesting. People are buying it. It's getting good reviews, but the guy that made it says, no, I'm not happy. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I was kind of looking forward to playing it eventually. (laughs) But, like, eventually you can play it and it might be better than what it was, I guess. Yeah, but still, and I don't know. The way he kind of reacted to it kind of seems like it was planned i don't know Ooh, seems, like a, like, seems oh. a bit like he's trying to make a statement to other developers that you know look at me i am i'm taking this off because i know it's not the best i can do and i'm giving everyone refunds and i'm like gonna give it out for free later on because i feel so bad about this yeah like you're gonna deploy take a leaf from my book essentially a stunt yeah that's what i kind of think about from this because it's just Ooh. so like 87 percent is a is a good rating yeah I think um, it's interesting because, I mean, he said in his quote, I've been accused of rushing my games ever since Five Nights at Freddy's 1, but I've never felt that I've released a game too early until now. So, I mean, that's interesting too because, I mean, those games have copped it a bit for being churned out really quickly because the nature of them, they're pretty easy to make. Yeah, and they were really good in the end. Like, he thought it out and the storyline was awesome. But yeah, in this case, um, it looks like um, he's made that call. But I mean, it'd be great if other game developers and publishers could do that. You know, there's obviously yeah. he's made this and he's made that call. But I mean, the reality of the real world with the larger releases like your Assassin's Creed and stuff like that is that you can't just take a game like that back off the shelves. No. Once it's out there, you have to fix it because uh, the idea of refunding everyone up to 80 bucks for a game from multiple different retailers. That's oh, ridiculous mess around. <laughs> the marketing behind it, like man you just no. wouldn't see that would you so that's why i'd prefer like uh developers delaying their releases instead of releasing it early like i know people get really upset about it but in the end you want the game to be good you don't want to have to uh get patches for it agreed like Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> now, one last news item to end on, just a cute one. Uh, I got this one on there for you, Viv, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, Mattel is diversifying the Barbie brand, and they have made a Barbie called Game Developer Barbie. Yay! So she's there <laughs> with her glasses and her suit, working on a video game uh, on a computer, trying to de- make some game code or something. So now, exciting! <laughs> That's kind of cool, though, right? Yeah, I mean, how does it make you feel? As a, you know, because obviously the stereotype is that young girls buy Barbies and young girls have dolls and stuff like that. And Barbies constantly criticised for being kind of a bad, a bad feminist. You know, like yeah. <laughs> look at me, I'm Barbie, and like it's kind of for a long time has that that stereotype. You know, so what do you think about this? I think it's it's a good start. A good start. <laughs> um... I I think if I was, like, still 10 years old, you know, I definitely would lap this up. I'd love this. You would? Yeah. And especially they're uh, bringing out more diverse dolls as it is, like, curvier dolls and taller dolls. Yeah. Petite dolls and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and this line's going to have a president, a president <laughs> Barbie, Barbie and a vice president Barbie. And Viv's like the Barbie specialist around here. <laughs> they actually call her Barbie half the time. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. You know, I, I think, um, you know, game developer Ken would probably have a very different look. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just picturing, again, the stereotype, unfortunately. The nerdy Ken. The nerdy kid, you know, nerdy Ken with, like, the glasses and, like, the World of Warcraft t-shirt. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, sitting on a disc with, like, Cheetos, like, developing a game. You know, I don't know, I just, I think that'd be great. No, but this this is really good because it, it encourages girls to get into different fields and and the like, you yeah. know? I know it's it's... Not the best that we can hope for because we should be encouraging girls to play with other dolls as as well. And, yeah. you know, like, I really do encourage children to play with, like, cars and Lego and all that kind of stuff that would usually be labelled boys. Yeah, and like, and, like, boys to play with dolls as well. Cause exactly. Because, hell, who cares what they want to play with? Like, they're kids. Let I, them do what they want to do. I would rather them take that in that direction and say, look, girls, you can play with whatever you want here 
take it, take it away. But it's it's a step in the right direction, at least. It is a good step from Mattel to diversify the Barbie brand. Very exciting. (laughs) Uh, Gain of Barbie. (laughs) Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, (laughs) We're coming back shortly. Uh, It's going to be my interview with Jeff Gregg, who is the lead game designer from Wargaming.net. That's coming out for you just after the break. Um, And after that, talking about your favourite and our favourite and not-so-favourite video game glitches. You're on Critical Hit. Critical Hit on Joy 94.9. It's Luke here. I'm joined by a very special guest all the way from the US. His name's Jeff Gregg. He's the lead game designer of World of Tanks for console. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, and um, I mean, you're here in Australia. Uh, second time here, you told me, which is very exciting. Yep, second time down here. It's really fun. Second time to, uh, to Sydney, specifically. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, You like it? Oh, it's great. I actually landed on Australia Day. Oh, so great. I, I beat the jet lag by walking around and seeing the just like parties everywhere. It was so much fun. It was yeah. a great day too. Fantastic. That's really awesome. Now, we are here to talk about uh, World of Tanks, um, but you know, World of Tanks has been a fairly PC-based game for mm. a long time. Yeah. Lots of the wargaming has. So, um, here we are. It's launched now on PlayStation 4, which is really, really exciting. But for those who don't know what World of Tanks is, can you explain a bit about what the game's all about? So, World of Tanks... World War II tank technology. Imagine that we take all of the tanks, or as many as we can, and let you pick one of those tanks or earn your way up to one of those tanks so that you can fight up to 29 other people, 15 of which are on one side and 15 of which are on another side, uh, in a tank combat kind of fighting system. So if that kind of feels overwhelming or you feel like you need to know a lot of history about it, like one of the ways I really like to explain it is if you've ever heard of or played a role-playing game, instead of thinking of like wizards and magicians and knights and thieves. Think of, because we have classes, light, medium, heavy, tank destroyer, and artillery. Think of those kind of like RPG classes. So if you like to like snipe or do long distance like lobbing fire, we have classes for you. Or if you like to like brawl or support other teammates, we have classes for you. So I find that's that's kind of a cool way for anybody who's really into gaming to kind of understand what they're getting into. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of complexity once you get through that surface of just aiming your tank turret at an enemy and blowing him apart and hopefully not having the same happen to you. <laughs> sure. Now, I have a terrible PC, so I never got into Wargaming before this because I couldn't really run it. So really exciting to now be able to play it on PlayStation 4 and, and get that console experience. Um, how has it been for you uh, to have the game on console platform. How's the reception been from those console-specific gamers? It's been overwhelming. Like, I've been really excited to read and hear and even watch on our server analytics the the engagement and the people playing and, like, the positive response. And even, like, some of the criticisms. Like, some people that are either, like, coming from a different wargaming environment, like PC players, or or people that just jumped in and they're like, well, what's this thing? What's this aspect? I don't understand it. Even that, they keep playing, and it's really exciting to start having that kind of interaction on the PS4 and the Sony side that we've been enjoying and really thriving on and really um, living on on the uh, Microsoft side as well. Yeah, sure. Um, now, World of Tanks, obviously being tanks, the pace is a lot slower from other shooters where people often feel like they're a bit 
too challenging to get involved in, especially with the online multiplayer, things like a Call of Duty and Battlefield, they can be really daunting because people, they know the maps and they can play really fast and you'll be dead ten times before you've even blinked. Yeah. Um, so how have you found in terms of people enjoying the pace of something a lot slower like World of Tanks? Um, the slow pace, I think, has its advantages. I think it's interesting because even though it's really slow paced, it can be tactical and you can still get one shot with like a really bad scenario. <laughs> but it's a different type of thinking. Like you really have to think as a team and you, you really have to be a little more contemplative and strategic with where you're going to place yourself. Like if you just like slam down the gas pedal and run out in the middle of the field, cause you're in a tank, right? You got a yeah. giant gun, but you got to remember the other 15 guys that don't like you <laughs> yeah. are all in tanks with giant big guns. Doesn't so, end well. No, no, it doesn't <laughs> go very well. Um, one of the features that we actually introduced right about the same time as the PS4 launch is a system we call uh, all technical behind the scenes uh, initial player experience or IPX. Yep. And what that does is if you're a brand new player, it puts you, it eases you into the experience and it lets you fight um, bots or AI or um, not real people at first just to get used to the controls and the movement and what the game's about before finally slowly introducing upgrade systems and how to fight other humans. Yeah. And uh, we think that's gone a long way to kind of removing some of that anxiety that, that sometimes I have is when you jump in with a bunch of humans that just want to blow you up like yeah. and you're just like wait how do I turn like yeah that's that's overwhelming you're still learning and they're all smashing you it's exactly. like what do you even do with that yeah now um, obviously very exciting the game's out on PS4 now it's uh, free to play as well which is really cool so um, how have you found making a game that people don't have to actually pay for straight away they can just jump in and give it a go um, without paying a cent especially on the console market where you're used to that sort of quite expensive recommend and retail price. Yeah. Um, and here you have this, this great free thing you can download it now and play it and go for your life. I think actually uh, it took some teaching at first. Like honestly people thought it was a demo. Especially way back in the uh, Xbox environment. Yeah. We're like no that's the full game. How about You know what I mean? Um, and it, <laughs> and it, it took like just some education and, and um, uh, kind of teaching and I'm not trying to belittle our audience. It's just something they weren't used to. Um, it's like you can never give us a dime and enjoy this game. Yeah. Because some people will pay money for it and like obviously we need that too because we want to keep the lights on and pay <laughs> yeah, our mortgages yeah. but of course but um yeah. I think it does have a little bit of a learning curve even in terms of what has this thing I just downloaded do yeah but once you're in I, th- I think you're all good so yeah. so that education is on us and we have to teach people to go ahead and try it and um, some people will download it and maybe be like not for me but I think as long as you realize you get in there and you keep playing free I think you're gonna be hooked yeah now for those who don't know war gaming overall is it's massive and every time I see you guys at any of the events that we have in Australia like PAX and stuff like that you know there's a serious esports community behind it there's all these hardcore fanatics so um, just on a personal level what's it like being involved with a project that has a scale as big as Wargaming best job I ever had (laughs) like Wargaming it's interesting yeah the sun never sets on Wargaming I guess Um, but uh, Victor our head CEO um, he always refers to us either if it's an email or when it's a speech or whatever his family yep. and I, some people are like oh that's what you're supposed to do as a CEO I'm, I firmly believe he really means it like the commitment to quality product and our players and to do what's right what's not fastest and to not like sacrifice goodwill for a quick buck which honestly we could do we just never do because that's yeah. a terrible terrible idea um it's amazing. Like, even the fact that I'm, I, I get to travel more than I... I'm, I'm here in Sydney talking to you. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm having the time of my life. Nice. So much fun. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, congratulations. Uh, obviously, the game's been a massive success. Console launch. So far, it's been a big success. And wish you all the best for the future. Well, thank you very much for your time. It was great to talk to you. You're on Critical Hit on Joy 94.9. Yeah, interview there with Jeff Gregg, the lead designer from Wargaming.net. Really nice dude here in Australia, uh, obviously promoting World of Tanks, being released on PS4, and a massive thank you to the guys from Wargaming and PPR for taking me to Sydney for the day. We played paintball, we got to play World of Tanks, and got some great food and some great drinks. So Exciting stuff. Yeah, it was a really great day. So a massive thank you to all the team there um, at PPR for that really fantastic day. Now, serious business, Viv. Serious business. Very, very serious. We're going to be talking about (laughs) um, our topic of the week, which is glitches. Yes. 
in all their My glory. Thing. Now, once again, a glitch, for those who don't know, is when something happens in a video game that is not supposed to happen. So uh, it could be that uh, um, they haven't loaded part of the map properly, so there's a massive, like, blank spot in the map. Or it could be like a character might be talking to you and then their lips will disappear from their face and float off. <laughs> or, or, a dog, or a dog in a game might, you know, all of a sudden be halfway sunk into the ground. Or start walking on two legs. Or start walking on two legs and doing yeah. stupid things. So it's about when things don't happen when they're supposed to. Uh, and the glitches kind of ruin the game in that moment. Or make them better. Or make them better. Now, Viv, you um, you love glitches. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> I think if you could do a course like Glitches 101, you would take that course. Yes, I would because I really love them. I find them really entertaining in games. What about glitches do you find very, very entertaining? Um, I don't know. I think it's just the unexpectedness of it, I guess. Yeah. You're playing a game and it's getting all serious and you're battling against some guy and then he his leg starts going up through his face and it's just it's I don't know how to explain it. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, <laughs> now, it, it can be ridiculous and really funny, but it can also be game-breaking as well. So it does depend yes. on the context of the glitch. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some of the funny ones first. Now, you've got a little list there of some of the ones that you like a lot. I do. So well, let's, let's go through that. So what are some of the glitches that you have loved over the years? Well, my one of my all-time favorite ones is the... Sean glitch in heavy rain. <laughs> right. So <laughs> the heavy rain, um, for those who haven't played it, it's like a story based game and you can press buttons to trigger certain dialogue at certain points in the yeah, game. Yeah, it's all reaction based and stuff. Yeah. And essentially what happens in this bit is oh, I don't know if I should really explain it too much because it it is a kind of spoiler to the end of the game. So if anyone the game's hasn't like ten years it, old though, like Well, it's not Ten years old, like a, only know, a couple of seven years. Seven years like old? Three? No way. Three. No, nah, yeah. it's older than that, man. No. I would say seven years old. Yep, because I was playing that game really? when I was living in Oakley, and that was seven years ago. Really? That's right. Okay, maybe <laughs> I'm stuck in the past. I don't know. So anyway, the whole point of the game is he's looking for his son, right? Or Sean. Looking for looking for Sean. Sean. Looking yeah. for Sean. And at the at the end of the game, it's all very dramatic. And based on how you play the game, he may or may not find the son or the Sean. And he may the or Sean. may the Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other characters that may or may not survive based on choices you've made and stuff like that. So you find Sean. And you've got Sean in, in at this point in the game, and there's yeah. a button you press to say his name. So the character holding Sean yells out, Sean! Right? Essentially, yeah. But yeah. then it goes into a cutscene, and, uh, well, instead of his dialogue, the Sean button is still there. Yeah. So all you, you can, can press <laughs> is the Sean button. <laughs> so all you can do is scream Sean. Over and over again. So it's going through this really emotional scene, like Sean's like, oh, daddy, daddy, and then the bad guy comes in, it's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you now, and everything, he's just, Sean, Sean! He's just yelling Sean over and over yeah. and over again. <laughs> um, which completely ruins the ending of the game, because it's just ridiculous, and it's but funny, and it's meant to be serious. It's so hilarious. Like, <laughs> Sean! I would happily go through that. And I, it's a really rare glitch as well. It's only it's only been recorded on like a phone or a camcorder yeah, or whatever yeah. it was recorded on. It's a rare glitch. <laughs> yeah, but it's the so Sean, funny. We should get a Sean button for the show. I think. That'd oh be, yeah. <laughs> just every now and then, it's just Sean in the background. Yes, I, I approve of this. <laughs> or we need to find someone called Sean that can be on the show that we yeah. can just yell at, <laughs> yell at mercilessly. Um, now another one, one that I like a lot, which we uh, we were watching glitches before the show to prepare for this. Yes. Um, there's one in FIFA 12, uh, where yes. they'd, they added this new really cool physics engine the way players react. So that basically when they fall and hit the ground or when they bump into other players, they're meant to react sort of more natural because they're going to bump into them and then fall <laughs> to the ground like a person would, right? So this new physics engine was in place. And there's this footage that you can see online of these two players kind of crash into each other after a goal after ce- like while celebrating they kind of fall into each other and they slowly and they turn, slowly their, heads turn their heads and they slowly kind of make out yeah <laughs> and it's, it's it's a beautiful glitch it really is Equality. Uh, <laughs> hashtag equality. Um, it, it's really funny because, you know, it's this masculine sport and they're all like, oh, and then just... We do sports. It just happens. Rah, rah. And then you, all of a sudden they're just like a goal and then two players from opposite teams embracing in a good old snog. Mm, 
it's it's beautiful. It's, a, it's so romantic. <laughs> Uh, now, one that we looked at before the show as well that I didn't know existed, um, so maybe I'm the only one that doesn't realise, but it's from GoldenEye 007. Yeah, it's on the, 64. one of the most famous glitches out there, and it's mainly famous because uh, of YouTube, essentially. So someone got all Shock. these um, glitches together, and gl- essentially the glitches are um, happen when you tilt the cartridge slightly, and it bugs out the um the characters, the, the characters. models, yep. Yeah. So they start to kind of flail around. And spin. And spin yeah. and do all these kind of like crazy movements and stuff. So someone on YouTube decided to uh put a song along to it. So it's the um the Gedan song. I can't remember the actual name. Of it. Get down, yeah, because it's like get down, basically. Get, it was like, get down. down. And, and, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm it's... sure most people know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all the characters basically at certain points, uh, when you, in, in this video and, um, from this glitch, they just start spinning around dramatically, their limbs flying everywhere. And it's, it is quite a funny <laughs> sight, especially when you've got an enemy you're about to shoot and then all of a sudden he just starts spinning on the spot or. Yeah, or you, you escape into a helicopter and the helicopter starts going around. Yeah, it starts, around. the car starts spinning, you know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it is a really funny glitch. So definitely check out Golden I get in on uh, YouTube for a laugh. It's, it's one of the funnier, funnier glitches out there, that's for sure. <laughs> what else is on your list? Oh, what else? Um, there is a glitch in Sherlock Holmes' Nemesis. Yeah. That is actually really creepy. So you're Sherlock Holmes, obviously, and you've got your partner, Watson, with you. But um, for some reason, the developers didn't uh, give him a walking animation. So you'll be going along and uh, you might turn around um, and Watson is like right behind you. So he essentially teleports behind you instead of walking. Walking. Right. So he'll be, you'll walk away, you're watching him and he's like way over in the distance. You'll turn around, turn back, he's right behind you. Oh my God. Yeah. That um, is weird. Hence, kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, and glitches can be creepy like that as well. Like if you look back oh at um, gosh, yeah. Assassin's Creed Unity when that launched with the issues that it had on the PC version of the game. Oh yeah, with the, the, uh, like flesh. <laughs> yeah, so there was literally them. like no faces on the characters. <laughs> it was just floating eyeballs and a mouth with teeth and gums and a nose. And it just looked like that, like that, a huge jump. Funny, like that face. Oh, wow. They all just looked like that, you know? And it was really creepy. And the characters like kissing and like talking to each other oh and all God. sorts of stuff. <laughs> and they've got no faces. And it was just, it was really scary stuff. Oh, wow. I, I want to play that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to play it just like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't want the, re- the rehashed one. I want the buggy one, please. <laughs> very, very weird stuff like that mm. as well. So now there's also glitches, Viv, that happen that are quite beneficial uh, in a way. Yeah. Glitches that... You can find yourself teleporting to, like, the next level of a game without having completed it. Yes. Or even to, like, the final boss battle and stuff like that. So people, like, speedrunners have found glitches in games and have been able to exploit them so that you can finish your game faster yeah. by, rather than doing things the right way, taking shortcuts by exploiting the game code that's been built. Mm. I think I've I've heard of one in Kingdom Hearts 2, I think it is. Where you, uh, you jump in this dungeon. I can't remember what dungeon it was. Yeah. But essentially you just continually jump and jump and jump and transform. And then you're eventually in this level that you can't get to until <laughs> later on. And it's like, wow, yep, okay. Sure. That's, that's kind of good. <laughs> um, and there's people on, uh, online who have mentioned, um, Particularly the Ocarina of Time glitches. Um, so Madeline online and also, uh, Bailey mentioned that you can exit a certain lair in the game, um, you warp out of a certain lair, and it throws you into the ma- the main boss battle against Ganon. Ooh, convenient. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that as well. Um, and, you know, also stuff like in terms of... Uh, one thing that I've found funny as well is people kind of feel bad when they don't get to see these glitches. Like, it's not even like a, it's just a... Uh, I didn't get a glitch. That's really lucky. They're more like, oh, I wanted to see the funny yeah, glitch. Yeah, that's you me. Know, that's me every time. <laughs> um, I had someone on social media um, say that as well, who they were, uh, Anthony, who was saying, yeah, I, I never get to see anything cool like that. My games just work fine. Damn it. <laughs> it's like, hang on, you want the game to break? You look just so you can it. laugh at it? Yeah. 
And that's that's the thing, though. That's the appeal of the Bethesda games for some people as well. Yes, that's true, yeah. they're such huge games in scope. There's so much to them. There's so much world there and so many, so much power that it must use to run those games. Mm. And so, of course, naturally, those games that push the envelope are going to have some problems and some of glitches. Course. So you see things like um, enemies or characters with no heads walking around oh man or or you know the dog walking through staircases rather than on the staircase you know (laughs) um so the fallout games and the elder scrolls games are notorious for those glitches and people love them they think they're really funny um there was another one that was mentioned um by daniel so he had a companion in fallout 4 shoot down a chopper with a pistol Nice. Just randomly. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, there was another glitch uh, with a, I was reading about where um, a companion got in a fight. Uh, sorry, an invincible companion, because the companion can't die, yeah. got into a fight with an invincible enemy NPC, because oh, they're not supposed to geez. die either. Oh, no. And so they just in, kept fighting each other, but neither could take damage or die. So they just fought for hours, and he couldn't wow. progress in the game because they were just fighting the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> okay, moments like that it does kind of ruin the game. Yeah, because you kind of end up stuck, and you're like, I don't know what to do now. Like actual game breaking yeah. things like that. Um, but then you've got like good ones, like for instance in Skate Three, where it's kind of a boring game, at least to me. Yeah, to start off yeah. with, but like the <laughs> physics in the game are ridiculous. So if you play it in free skate mode, just like the way the physics react and everything is is off the charts so yeah physics engines are funny like using the force to grab your skateboard and (laughs) going through buildings and skating upside down and it's ridiculous and you know in last year's tony hawk's pro skater 5 not a good example but (laughs) like tony would just often the board would just fly up into the sky and disappear (laughs) or you would try to go to use a ramp like on a skateboard like you're supposed to yeah and you'd fall through the ramp (laughs) like it's invisible and hit the wall behind it. So, I mean, glitches can be funny, but they can also be really bad game design. Yeah, that's true. Like, who tests this stuff out? Like, who does the QA on these games to make sure they're ready to play? Because, obviously, the guy's not getting paid enough. Yeah, well, you can't <laughs> predict everything, though. But, yeah, there are actually games out there that uh, kind of embrace the glitchy kind of thing. Like, um, Goat Simulator. For instance, yeah, it is a purposely glitchy game. Yeah, the goats and- fly around through the sky <laughs> and bounce off things. It's and- amazing. It really yeah, is. And it's hilarious. It's and I am like bread is like that well. too. Yes, physics-based silliness. Yeah. It's so glitches beautiful. can be really fun, but they can also be a real pain in the ass. But overall, it's part of the video game world, and we just have to embrace yeah. it because it's not going anywhere. Embrace it. It's wonderful. Embrace it. Thank you, Viv, so much for joining me today. No worries. Thank you very much. Been a much. pleasure just us hanging out. Yeah, just us girls. I feel like we've bonded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so keep on listening to Joy ninety four point nine. This has been a Joycast of Critical Hit for Joy 94.9. If you like this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. Achievement unlocked. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.